My name is George Saylor. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. Uh, what a joy to gather together. I've had a, a very full month, um, but this past week I said goodbye to Eden and to Thomas and to Frankie. That was really hard to say goodbye to Frankie. That's the cat, by the way. And then yesterday I had to say goodbye to Karis as she's moving back to Maui. And then I said goodbye to Justin as he's going back to college. And uh, I must admit, I found myself um, eating from a half gallon of ice cream with my dog, feeling sad for myself on the couch last night. So uh, it's good to now be with other people. I'm glad we're all together worshiping because I was feeling sad and lonely last night. Um, very excited, yeah, to kick off here our, our uncluttered series this morning for you. And it's kind of straightforward, right? A cluttered life doesn't have space. A cluttered life is too full. And we know how this spills into all areas of life. We want an uncluttered, clean, inviting home. We want an uncluttered schedule uh, that has room for recreation and play and meals of family and meals with loved ones and times just to enjoy God's creation. And we want, of course, uncluttered lives. We don't want to feel the weight and the burden of carrying the clutter of worry, carrying the clutter of, 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 of fear, carrying the clutter of, of, of doubt or anxiety or stress or any number of things that, as the analogy goes, can just start to clutter up and, and fill up our lives. And as things fill up our lives, you know, the kind of the clutter, the bad things, the things that we don't want, which somehow seem so often and so easily to take root, it kind of pushes out the things that we just want in, in our lives. Who here has watched um, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo? Anybody watch that series? I was able to watch one of it. Um, it's beautiful. I only watched the one episode, but it was quite beautiful. She has this uh, amazing uh, kind of disposition where she just so gently and so beautifully comes into people's homes, and really she's coming into their lives. And what I love is how she will walk through somebody's very cluttered home. And she won't judge them for the clutter. She, she won't make them feel any more guilt or shame about the clutter. And she truly acknowledges everything that's here kind of has this story behind it. You know, you kept it for a reason. You put it there because it meant something uh, to you. And she invites people to kind of uh, take that object up and to ask if it sparks joy. You know, I, I love that. I love that. Does it spark joy? Oh, and by the way, I'm not going to be anti-stuff and anti-clutter. I guarantee you I walk into my garage and I look at my bikes and it sparks a lot of joy. I can take my skis, which I hope to do tomorrow morning, and it sparks a lot of joy when I put them up on my ski rack and head up to the mountains. I'm not anti-stuff, but she invites people to just say, is this still something that sparks joy in your life? And, uh, and if it does, great, keep it. And if not, and she has that beautiful process, you thank the object for the memories that it holds and everything. But, you know, then, of course, it's get, now get rid of the clutter. Get, get, get things out. Um, there's another show that maybe a different kind of person really likes to watch, and that is the show Hoarders. Who here has ever seen Hoarders? Um, who here can actually watch an episode of Hoarders? Can you? I lasted about five minutes. You can watch. Oh, my, I, I About five minutes in, I turned it off and took a shower. I, I couldn't, like, I, it was just, it was making my skin crawl, sadly, sadly. Um, I did have an experience as a pastor 
with somebody who tr truly is, is, a, is a hoarder. Uh, I'm not going to reveal uh, too much, but this is a season of ministry ago. That's what pastors always do. We talk about, you know, the other seasons and nobody feels on, on the spot. Um, but, you know, I was invited in this person's life and it started off with some uh, helping out with some doctor's appointments and then helping with some bills. And, and next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this person's home. And when I walked in, I realized, oh, oh, yeah, um, this, she, this person's a hoarder, a absolutely a hoarder. I, I tried, I tried to help. I asked if I could do some dishes and, and that was accepted. And I said, you know, could I take out some trash? And what I quickly learned, of course, is that n nothing was trash. I mean, ev everything was there for a reason, even, you know, empty containers of food that had long been eaten, stacks of papers, e everything was there for a reason. And I, I just knew, of course, I was not qualified, not competent, did not have the uh, ability to, to, to help. It was, it was truly sad it, 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 as a pastor to walk in and, and to see that and to recognize that clutter in this person's home was certainly representative of a very cluttered life. So again, uh, the analogy I think and I pray is pretty obvious. We want an uncluttered life and it might stop, uh, kind of start from the top down from the externals to the internals. Uh, each week in this, maybe I'll be giving you some tips or tricks or things that maybe I've learned or I'll pick up along the way that can help us unclutter and see kind of the trickle down effect. But where we want to land, of course, where we want to land is that all of us are going to have a very uncluttered life that is going to have space then for the things that we would just very openly and obviously profess. Even if you're probably not a professing Christian, you're going to pr profess, yeah, I want space for God or again, maybe just be spirituality. I want space for family. I want space for friends. I want space for recreation and fun and the things that I want to do. I want space for quiet in my life. I want space in my finances for generosity. I want space in my home to welcome people in to receive hospitality. Makes sense. Makes sense. I think it's kind of an obvious trajectory. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're just going to be unpacking an uncluttered life. And I think Marie would agree with me on this. The first step to the uncluttered life that we are aiming at uh, is going to require uh, an admission that there is a bit of clutter that needs to be cleared out. Or now to put the church's angle on it, it might require what we call confession. We might need to admit, we might need to confess, we might need to lay some things before God if we're going to get the room of our lives cleared out to make space for what we want more of. Let's turn to a story. I'm going to have a number of scriptures for us this morning. Uh, that's how a lot of series start out. I get all excited. I get all kinds of scriptures I got to throw out you, but don't worry over the next couple weeks, we're going to be packing a good bit of this. But this is a really fun story. It comes back um, time and time again, just because there's so much uh, to unpack in this story. This story lays out for us a whole order of worship. If we look at the tradition of worship from coming into the presence of God, to confessing our sins, to receiving forgiveness, to praising God, to hearing a word of God, to being sent out by God. So there's so much in this story. We're going to, of course, focus on the confession aspect of this story from uh, Isaiah chapter 6, just starting here in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces. 
And with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. Can you say that with me? Woe to me. All right, you're well on your way to confession already here, friends. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This is the word of our Lord. There'll be more words to come. This is such a beautiful image going back to what we talked about last week in Jesus' baptism. We see Jesus unveiled, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we get that image of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, revealed to come forward and do ministry amongst the people to fulfill his mission. This is, in a sense, a precursor to that, where we see God the Father, God unveiled. Imagine coming into a worship service and you encounter the presence of God. You can still expect to come into a house of worship, I hope, and to encounter the presence of God. Uh, it might be a little, we might say, that would be really cool, that would be really great, but if we pause for just a moment, how terrifying to come in and to really see, see the veil lifted and to experience the presence of God. This image, of course, has penetrated popular culture in so many ways. I mean, even episodes of The Simpsons always portray God on the throne and the veil and the smoke and everything. I might just point us back briefly here to Christmas. Yes, that is an image of God the Father in his glory that is revealed uh, to Isaiah. But for us, let us continue to live into what has been revealed at Christmas and revealed in Jesus' baptism. God is approaching us humbly. God is approaching us gently. God has approached us now in Jesus Christ so that he may be approached and we may approach Jesus. And that's just a beautiful image of how we now interact and know God through Jesus, the Son, our Lord and Savior. But this is equally a part of the reflection of God and God's glory. And that, of course, is what happens to Isaiah whenever he comes into the presence of God. He sees the glory of God revealed. Uh, the whole place is kind of shaking. It's trembling. Angels are present. They are continually in this chorus of praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It's amazing. It's tremendous. There's so much we could say about this again, but let's turn immediately to the impact that it has on Isaiah. How does this land on Isaiah? Notice very quickly, and as I reflected on it this past week, you know, people always say, when I stand before God, I'm going to have a few questions. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, like we should just chuckle at the thought, right? Um, no, whenever you come into the presence of God, there is no accusations. There's no, nothing uh, cavalier about it. Um, there, there's no of us wagging uh, our finger and pointing and, and, may, and, and, and presuming all these things upon God. The immediate, the immediate impact that it has, of course, here on Isaiah is, woe to me. 
Woe to me, I am undone. Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe to me, I, I realize I live among a people of unclean lips. So of course, this is just fancier kind of biblical talk for woe to me, I'm messed up. I've messed up. I live among messed up people. I live among people who, oh my goodness, I see not just the reality of God in this moment, but I'm now beginning to see the reality of, of myself. And I'm beginning to see the reality of all, something about the very presence of God is eye-opening. And that's one of the things we do in, in, in faith so often. We, are the screens doing things? My screen behind me is doing things. Are you? Okay. Um, uh, it, it just reveals. It just reveals. It's this unveiling moment. And what happens, of course, here is that in this moment, just to get to the end of the story and then unpack what the implications for us a little bit more, is that, of course, is shorthand for Isaiah's confession. It's his confession before God. It's the confession of himself. It's confession on behalf of the people. And, of course, what immediately happens is he receives an assurance of forgiveness when he doesn't stand wagging his finger, uh, making accusations at God, but he lays himself bare before God, he receives this forgiveness. One of the angels comes to him, and it says with this coal, this idea of cleansing, purifying, refining fire, it touches his lips. The lips that confessed his guilt are the lips that are then cleansed, and you have to love the precursor that even points to your sins, like all sins, everything in your life has now been atoned for, pointing us, of course, to that fulfillment coming to us through Jesus Christ. So he has gone through a little act little discipline here of, of confession. Now, the other week, I mentioned when we had a, a, a New Year's confession coming into the year, and that's really what inspired this. When I kind of said these words, it kind of it, it just sparked some things in me that I was able to reflect upon the past two weeks. But this is one of those th words that it's very interesting to know the root of it. I don't always... I don't always like to annoy people with, uh, with the Greek and some of the things that pastors get into. Um, but that word confession coming from the Greek homologio, saying the same word. Confession is nothing more and nothing less than us saying the same word, saying the same thing. One of the ways we might put it is getting in agreement with God. Confession is like what happened for Isaiah. Oh my goodness, I now see that I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people unclean lips. And God would say, I say and I see and I agree with that same thing. Confession is getting into agreement with God. It's saying the same thing as God would say about us and about our sin. It's just seeing reality. It's seeing the world. It's seeing life as it is. You have to love how the Psalms are always our prayers and reflections upon these truths revealed for us. I hope it kind of works because I have so many scriptures here now. Am I going to get Psalm 32 here? Um, yes, blessed is the one, this is Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Uh, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Here's the thing. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord 
and you forgave the guilt of my sin. We'll get to that next one here in a moment. What Isaiah experienced, what the psalm here prayerfully exposes for us is that when we come into the present, the reality and acknowledgement of God, we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to conceal or we're going to confess. But the shocking thing that I have to deal with for just a little bit is how much energy and effort we put into trying to conceal what God already knows. (laughs) Isn't that the experience of so much of our lives? Isn't it ridiculous when we take a step back to realize, why am I trying to conceal so much that God already knows. But this is, the, this is the foolish behavior of, of my life, dogs and children. My dog and my children in the past were always trying to conceal things that I knew all of the time. I remember like raising my little kids. We, of course, tried to feed them well and teach them healthy habits. So all the snacks were put like way up on the shelf. You know, all the treats and the goodies were way up high. But of course, they, dis- they discovered in the, the Lazy Susan, right? That's what it's called, the thing that spins. We call that the Lazy Susan. And the Lazy Susan, of course, was all the, the baking stuff, right? And amongst the baking stuff, my kids put together were chocolate chips. So I remember coming home one time and I'm seeing like the Lazy Susans actually turned open. And it was almost as if there was a literal trail of like chocolate chips like leading through the house to where one of my kids were. And then I find one of my children and there's like chocolate like all over her face and all over her hands. And I'm like, did you take the chocolate chips? No, I didn't take the chocolate chips. Did you eat it? And the whole time I'm like, I'm like, just, just say the same. Just, just, just don't try to conceal this. Like if you admit this, I won't have to punish you and ground you for the next year of you. No, I wouldn't ground my kid for, you know, but there's that, that love of the father where I'm like, just admit what you did. And my goodness, I'll pour out a bowl of chocolate chips and we'll enjoy them together. But I need you to confess. I need you to admit, but we put so much effort. We put so much energy into this concealing what, and this is the folly of it. This is the, this is the human folly of it and the, and the air of it. And God already knows it, right? I mean, and God already knows it. So it's, actually, it's this invitation to just be truthful, just be honest, just be real. Just quit trying to conceal the sin because I know it's going to feel like you're... I mean, isn't that a, be- I mean, a beautifully horrible image? It's like, my, it's like when you try to conceal the stuff, it's like your bones are wasting away. Like your legs, like your spine is like giving out when you're trying to hide this stuff from God. God says, no, just just confess it before me. Say the same thing as I would say about this. And you can begin to receive the forgiveness and the freedom and the uncluttering of your soul. Now, of course, you know that there is, according to Scripture, uh, kind of a twofold reason for for confession. Let's get the first... um, kind of sense say out of the way and, and then we'll get on to the second which I want to go a little bit deeper into so so the first invitation of confession is, is, is always going to be this uh, this is from Romans chapter 10 if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved so the first thing we would always want to embrace and we want to preach and profess here is the confession saying the same thing of God. And what does God say last week about Jesus Christ? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It is when we say the same of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, you are Savior and you are Lord. And with that, you receive the forgiveness of your sins. 
almost too good to be true, right? <laughs> and yet we try to conceal that. We try to repress that. We try to shy away from that so often. Just embracing the confession that God is our Lord and Savior through Jesus Christ the Son. That's the beautiful beginning and you know, for the life of faith and walking with God and a relationship restored with God. I would commend to anybody and everybody here, if you've never made that prayer of confession with your lips and that belief in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, do so today before you walk out of here today. Do so with me after the service. Come and grab me and we'll pray and we'll walk you into salvation with Jesus Christ. So that's, of course, kind of the beginning. That's the, that, that's the first unveiling. That's the first confession that leads us to new life. But of course, there's more. We are invited to the ongoing discipline. The ongoing discipline cannot sound invitational sometimes. So the ongoing joy, the ongoing gift of continued repentance and confession before God. Here's what First uh, John says for us. If we claim, and he's speaking here, of course, to the body of Christ. He's speaking to churches. He's speaking to people that would say, I do know and love Jesus Christ and profess him to be Savior and Lord of my life. If we still would claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if, um, yeah, we could just confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We could be forgiven and it would be one and done and we just get on with living perfect, error-free lives. If we never made a mistake that caused us to have to ask forgiveness from a spouse, if we never messed up with our kids, if we never messed up at work, if we never messed up at Boy, that, that's, a, that's a world that, that I long for, but I'm not going to conceal the fact that that isn't reality. Though I have forgiveness of sins, though my sins are atoned for in Jesus Christ and I can stand right before him, though I can confess with my mouth and just like, his, and again, that imagery of Isaiah confessing and, his, and he's purified that, that invitation from Romans, we confess with our lips. Uh, I can't conceal the fact that I've still had sin. I'm not gonna make the mistake that John is inviting us to not make. I'm not going to try and deceive myself. I still sin. There still is the power and the presence of sin in our world and over my life in many ways. But I am invited to confess that sin. And have that uncluttered, taken away from my life. Um, whenever people find out I'm a pastor out there in the world, you know, the world out there, um, there there's, there's kind of three scripts that always happen. So you're getting, getting the kind of the pastor's perspective here on things. I mean, the first is, that's awesome. I'm a Christian. Yay, yay, yay. Jesus is awesome. Uh, the second, they don't say it this way, but it's like that awful. It's like, oh, you're a pastor. You know, like, like it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to get. But then I get, a, I get a third script a lot out there and, and it's and it's almost like kind of like like so that's it's they're not going to say it's awesome not going to say it's awful they almost get this like whimsical look like they'll even like look off into the distance and they might even sigh and they'll be like you know i used to go to church or i was raised in the church or there's a there's a time in my life when i was really on fire for faith but oh and and now it's always like you know ever since covid i I never really went back to church after that. I never got involved again. And then they'll say something like, boy, I bet if I showed up in church now, I'd burst into flames. 
Does anybody really think that? <laughs> Does anybody actually? I don't criticize it. I try not to be cruel about it. I try to be very well. I, you know, of course, my response is, the door is open. You're always welcome back. And if you are genuinely feeling like your life has become cluttered with some sins and some things that you are ashamed of that you don't want to bring into church with you and carry through life anymore with you, you're always welcome to come back and to make confession, to confess before God, maybe even confess before family or friends or a pastor, confess some things that have cluttered up your life that you don't want to be carrying around anymore. A lot of people in their life of faith and following Jesus, they very wonderfully, very joyfully, they can point back, and I'm going to speak to it as a man definitely halfway probably through his life or, or, or beyond halfway. We can point back to seasons where God's presence, the reality, the realness, the unveiling of God was almost tangible in our lives. Like we woke up and we read the Bible and we were like, mm-hmm, this is living and active and cutting through bone and marrow and revealing the truth of God and me and the world. And oh my goodness, this is amazing. Anybody have a season like that in your life? We've had a season where like we pray and the, the, the clouds part and the Father speaks to us and we're like, my goodness. And then we go out into the world and prayers are being answered. Uh, we go to shop for groceries and we lead people to Jesus in the frozen foods aisle. And, you know, we pray for, you know, just, just faith is amazing. God is amazing. God has been revealed and, and we are so close with God. It's an incredible, I hope you have had or are in a season. My daughter is like in a season like that. She's like, we just lead people to Jesus everywhere we go these days. Like I love her. I love that she's like in this season of just on fire faith. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. But for some of us that have been around more than 21 years, Jay, some of us, we have to admit we go into a season where we open up the Bible and we fall asleep. We <laughs> try to say prayers and we fall asleep. We try to listen to the pastor and we fall asleep. Not here at Connections, that's never happened. But there, there seems to be things that are keeping us from feeling that fire, from sensing that presence, from experiencing that closeness from knowing that there's power in the word of God and power in prayer and God is using us effectively in his mission out in the world. Here's what we can say unequivocally about that. God didn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's word didn't change. God's word is still living and active. The invitation to prayer didn't change. Jesus Christ is still interceding on our behalf, mediating on account of us before the Father in heaven and always and ever available to us. It isn't God who changed. So, ouch, I'm sorry, but to not conceal this, the problem is with you. The problem, I'm not gonna, I was about to say chance of the problem was you. No, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna be blunt. No, the problem is with you. 
I think it behooves me as the pastor to say, chances are some sins, some things have begun to clutter up your soul. It's begun to clutter up your life. But with that being revealed, know that the invitation stands ever and always before us too, like Isaiah, like Paul, like John, to just stop concealing it, just stop denying it, and say the same as God, and lay your sins, lay your confession, lay it before him, and you will receive forgiveness. Amen, friends? Amen. No, I'm not getting any men's. I don't, do you not believe it? It's hard. I mean, it's a hard truth, but it's the reality. It's the reality. But there's so much joy in laying these burdens and casting these anxieties and confessing this sin before God and knowing the assurance of our forgiveness. Now, in preparation for my sabbatical that I had this past summer, uh, I got a spiritual uh, coach. Who, it was wonderful to work with her, and we met for the past uh, for the year leading up through and just after the sabbatical. And one of the things that she was very big on and was guiding me through was kind of this Ignatian spirituality. She said, "Do you know anything about you know Saint Ignatius and kind of his spiritual disciplines?" And she said, "You want to learn?" I said, "Yeah, teach me something new. I haven't figured all all things out." So one of the things that she invited me to do was one of the practices of Saint Ignatius, and that was daily confession. Saint Ignatius, uh, through his own life and then in the life of, of people that began to follow kind of his order, were invited twice a day to confess their sins before God. For him, it was at noon and at nighttime because, you know, like you woke up with a clean slate and you got through your day, but even partway through the day was an invitation to confess. Now, there's five steps to it. The steps were to, and I created my own little alliteration around this because it was easy for me to remember, but to review, to rejoice, to repent, and to request, and then to resolve. If you can't remember all five, just remember rejoice, repent, and request. The first step is always to rejoice. The first step is always to give gratitude. The first step is always to give thanks to God. The invitation here is to say, just give, give thanks to God for the good things that are happening in your life. Give thanks to God for the, the salvation you have in Jesus Christ. Give thanks to God for the job that you have, even though it might not be a, the best job. Give thanks to God for the family and friends, even though they might drive you crazy. Give thanks to God for all of the good things in your life. So it starts with giving gratitude to God. But then you definitely need to do some repenting. In light of the good things we confess, we repent of, the things, those actions, those behaviors, those thoughts, those deeds that have gone on during the curse of course of the morning or the day that don't bring glory to God. And the invitation, of course, is to go deep with it. The invitation is to confess all of it, to confess, I was very short with my spouse this morning as I left the house, or I had very um, cruel thoughts about the person driving the car in front of me, or I really didn't think the best of a coworker who was trying to tell me about the struggle or the problem they are having with the project that we're working on. We confess all these things, sins of commission, things that we did, whether we lost our temper, we spoke an ill word, or we behaved in a just clearly ungodly way, but also maybe those sins of omission. I, I could have just been kinder. I could have been more merciful. I could have said a, 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 an uplifting thing to that person and I, and I missed that opportunity. And then, of course, we just resolve to just turn that around, 
So we spend the rest of our day and then the next day and the days leading in a way that better honors and glorifies God, that brings life and joy and blessing to God and, and to our neighbors. So with that said, I'm going to invite the band to come up. They're going to lead us out in worship. And of course, the invitation during this time of worship is that we would definitely spend a little time, a little time in confession. If you want to adopt that practice that I adopted uh, in the time leading up to my sabbatical and through the sabbatical and through this past fall, uh, I would encourage you, one of the technologies that we can have and we can own and we can actually use to God's glory is to maybe just set a little chime on your phone for sometime midday and then sometime towards the end of the day and just really commit that when that chime hits, because... <laughs> Because <laughs> I guarantee you, well, you think you have your day organized. Oh my goodness. I won't preach too much longer on this. You think you have your, you, you think this chime's gonna go off in a day when it'll be, you'll be uninterrupted and you'll be able to just pause and kneel down and have a beautiful prayer. The, it will interrupt your day, but that's the whole point. And when that chime goes off, you may find yourself in the midst of something that you're like, well, I already know exactly what I need to confess right now because this chime just interrupted something that needs to be confessed. So <laughs> maybe that's just the pastoral warning right now. But to make that a practice for the next week, next week we're gonna have some more things. It can involve some fasting and some letting go and some removing, some uncluttering of some more things. But for this week, this is my invitation. Set that chime or create some other discipline that twice a day, noon and nighttime, you interrupt your day with God who will help you to just review your day, to repent of anything that definitely needs repented of. I'm sorry, to review your day, to rejoice in anything good that's happening in your life, to repent of anything that you need to repent of, to confess that before God, then to just rejoice in the forgiveness of your sins and to resolve that you're going to live in a way that honors and glorifies God. If you want to talk to me more about that, grab me after the service. Uh, all of this uh, I'm going to be putting out in some uh, posts on our website because uh, Amy has been on me wherever she is. We're going to get some good things going out this week. Uh, we're going to get these materials out, but that's the invitation for the week. Let me say a prayer, and then let's spend some time in worship. And again, the invitation now is to use this time of worship to really confess those sins before God. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Then in the midst of our need, you can come into our life. You can reveal who we really are. You can reveal what really is. You can reveal the clutter of sin in our lives. But now we know we have this invitation. We simply confess it before you and to receive the forgiveness of our sins. We ask for and we receive this forgiveness in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Let's worship.